0: ...of flags, with almost everyone sporting Raptors gear. One fan described the scene as like a Santa Claus parade on steroids. Toronto won its first NBA championship last Thursday with a win over Golden State. The victory sent the city, province and the country into a tizzy. It has been 24 years since the Raptors debut, and this city is ready to celebrate. Greg Strong, the Canadian Press, Toronto.
1: While most fans were busy ecstatically but peacefully celebrating the Raptors winning the NBA championship Thursday night... Toronto police say a group of eight men took the festivities too far. Investigators are looking for suspects accused of smashing the windows of a police cruiser in the downtown core. Police have released images of the men they're looking for. They're urging the suspects to consult a lawyer before turning themselves in. London police say they're investigating a shooting at a South End hotel. Officers say they were called around 7.25 this morning by a London hospital after a man showed up needing treatment for a gunshot wound. His injuries were non-life threatening. Officers say the investigation led them to the Ramada Inn on Wellington Road south at Exeter, where there was evidence of a shooting. Further details have not been released, and police say the investigation is in its early stages. Anyone with information about the case is asked to contact police or crime stoppers. A new report from advocacy group People for Education suggests students in poorer parts of Ontario are missing out on educational opportunities afforded to their counterparts in richer areas. The People for Education report finds that schools in richer parts of the province are able to bring in much more money through fundraising. The report is based on survey results from 1,254 schools in Ontario. It finds that money from fundraisers goes towards extracurricular activities, field trips and some classroom materials. And it says students who have access to those things are more likely to develop creativity, leadership, and a sense of community. The report finds the top 10% of elementary schools in high-income areas raised 33 times the amount raised by the bottom 10% of schools in low-income areas. Some of those schools raise as much as $100,000 a year. For secondary schools, the top 5% raised as much as the bottom 82% combined some schools even reported raising $220,000 in a single year the federal liberals say a new program to help buyers new buyers pay for their first home will kick in on Labor Day.
2: The program will be available starting September 2nd, only weeks before the October federal election. The government's plan will see it pick up 5% of a mortgage on existing homes for households that earn under $120,000 a year on a mortgage of no more than $480,000. It plans to cover up to 10% to spur construction for new homes. There isn't any interest on the federal money, but a buyer will have to repay it if they sell their house or after 25 years of living in the home. Terry Pedro, the Canadian Press. Ottawa.
1: You're listening to 980 CFPL.
0: These Toronto Raptors and their big old celebration seems to be sparking a whole lot of good news all over the place. I'm looking at the show rundown for today on London Live. Well, that's good news. Well, that was really good news. Well, that's encouraging. Well, that's good. And so is that. If you're looking to gripe, maybe squeak that in right now. If you have a gripe or a complaint or something like that, you'll need to call right now because we don't have much time to fit in gripes and complaints today on London Live. There's too much good stuff to get to. 5196432222. I'm being completely honest. If you have to complain, if there's something bad that you need to say, you need to say it now or forever hold your peace, at least until tomorrow. 519-643-2222. If you don't want to call about it, you can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. But we've got an awful lot of good stuff to get to. We are going to head right to the insanity that is Toronto, Ontario right now. We'll dive into the middle of it in about two minutes, and then we'll get you an update on some of the speeches going on. If somebody says something interesting, I mean, they're not going to say anything overly interesting. This is no Brett Hall. Don't say, let's go, Blues. We already went. So say, we went, Blues. I don't know if you caught that on Saturday. If you did, it'll... No, it won't make sense. Even if you saw Brett Hull say it at the St. Louis Blues parade and celebration, it still won't make sense. It has some drunken logic to it, but that's as far as that goes. So hopefully we get nothing like that. I don't think so. The Raptors seem to be in very good spirits. Global News is on scene. We'll head there with Brianna Carnegie in about a half hour from now. We are also going to talk about some of the things that are happening in London With regard to neurodegeneration, that touches everybody. You want to talk about dementia or just neurodegeneration? Everybody kind of experiences it simply because as you age, you get to collect things up in the old noggin, and it will diminish your ability to say, yeah, just I remember that. And that can be kind of a natural course of things. But of course, we know that we have things like dementia. We know that we have things like Alzheimer's which make conditions all the more serious. Well, there is pretty amazing research being done in London that involves mobility tests so that you can try and catch neurodegeneration. And who knows where this research is going to go. The important thing is it's going to continue. I mentioned it right off the start. We have a lot of good news stuff. Researchers in London have been awarded over a million dollars over five years to continue their research on neurodegeneration in aging. And that's good for all of us. Anyone who's not getting older, that's nah, it's not a big deal for you. But if you are getting older, then yeah, this matters. And we'll talk with one of the researchers about that. In Lucan, Ontario, they are ecstatic. They already hosted Hockeyville. So it's not about that. But they are thrilled And we're going to find out why in about 40 minutes from now. We are also going to talk about London for All and a Trillium Grant that is helping that out. So that's a good news thing. And Teresa Carrier. Can we get a hand? (laughs) Teresa is remarkable. She'll join us on the show to recap one run. She did it on Friday. She ran 100 kilometers faster in a single day than I believe she's run it yet. And she's done this five times now. Faster. My wife, Kirsten, and I participated in one run. Teresa, thank you for having us. Everybody else who put the day together, thank you for the opportunity because it was phenomenal to to see what it was that she was doing. But here's the thing. As the day was going along, I was all set to leave work, go and pick up my wife, and then we would drive to the spot where where we were joining Teresa for one kilometre. And I kept watching how quickly Teresa was doing her day. And I had to call my wife before I left and say, can you maybe meet me? She's going to be there soon. We've got to hurry. And so that's what we did. I didn't even have time to run home, pick up my wife, and then go. That's how quickly things were going along her route. So the Raptors parade route, the one run, 100-kilometer route, and a whole lot more. Again... If there is something negative that you have, this is this is your time. Right here right now or forever hold your peace at least for today. 5196432222. Let's say hi to Marilyn. Marilyn, I can't imagine you have anything to complain about I today. I have
3: nothing to complain about, honey. The only thing I can, I can complain about is that you should be on
0: all day. <laughs> Marilyn, I don't know. I I, I would complain. About, I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of other people would complain about that. Oh, I too don't much. Think.
3: I love Craig. Too, okay, you know. So Craig I think, and I be on all day, all day, all day, and hooray for the Raptors. I think they've been good of giving Canada a great big lift. Definitely. And I hope that we're. And I don't think we're going to be excited about the election. That's going to be as dull as looking at grass grow.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll have to invite the Raptors back during the election campaign. The only thing Mm. we'll get
3: any of them in is maybe if the
0: Raptors
3: kind (laughs) of, uh, you know, kind of boost them up or something. You know
0: what? I bet. Marilyn, I think you're onto something. I bet there are politicians saying, hey, can you make some calls? Can when I do that speech in late July, can you make sure that standing beside me is a member of the Toronto Raptors? Not a tall one. Just make me still look tall, but can can you have one of the Raptors there? Marilyn, I bet you that's happening right now.
3: Well, it could be. It'd be, a, uh, it'd be a plus for any of them, because <laughs> really, there's none of them that turn my crank that I'll vote, because that's what my dad fought for. Yes. But, Uh, I'm very sad to see Irene go, because I just loved Irene. You know, I've got a drawer full of uh, cards from her that she wrote in her own writing and signed with her own signature, not not a form letter with a signature stamped on the bottom. I've had lots of them in the past. Irene
0: Matheson, one of a kind, and you're right, she will be missed. Marilyn, I hope it does get more interesting. We'll see if we can dig up some things that make it interesting between now and voting day. You have a great Monday.
3: Well, you too, dear. I just think you of you and and the other boy. Um, what's his name, Craig? Mm-hmm. I think the world of both of you.
0: Thank you. <coughs> All right, dear. Bye, bye. Have a great day, Marilyn. All right, Marilyn has aired election stuff. Uh, James says we need to ask something of Teresa. So I'm I'm waiting to see. I I won't I'll save the question for later but we'll ask Teresa when she is on London Live that'll be just about in an hour from now. Right now, why don't we go into the midst of Bedlam? You ready? I think we should all be sitting down for this. If you have a seat belt where you are, you might want to put that on. At least, you know, hang on to something here. I'm going to hang on to this desk, okay? Get a a grip on something because we are about to descend into the bedlam. Carl Toulouse is a Londoner. He has been with the Toronto Raptors since day one. When the first three-pointer was hit, the first points the Raptors ever scored, when that happened... He was part of recording it as a Raptors statistician, and he is making his way through the crowds in Toronto right now. Carl, are you having fun? Uh,
2: Fun would be the complete understatement of the year. Um, Memories to last a lifetime. Uh, Again, I don't think there's words to describe just how thrilled and exciting
0: this whole experience has been. So, take us to exactly what you're seeing around you right now. Well, I'm going to take you right to
2: the, the moment right now. Uh, I am currently at the corner, northwest corner of University and York in downtown Toronto. Uh, in front of me is a crowd of approximately eight people deep on my side. The other side, it's just a sea of people. It's a sea of red, black, and white. It is Unreal. Uh, crowd control. I would not want to be a a Toronto traffic enforcement officer on this day. You're going to have a bad day.
0: Safe to say if you were looking to drive to Toronto for a meeting or maybe do some shopping at the Eaton Centre, not today, maybe leave it till tomorrow? Uh, I think that's a very safe bet. Carl, have you ever seen crowds like this anywhere? Uh, the only thing similar is the 93 world
2: 93 World Series parade um, and then every year there's a Santa Claus parade but the Santa Claus parade doesn't touch what I'm seeing right now like this is unreal like people have been lined up for hours and I just got here less than an hour ago and it's I don't want to use the word pandemonium because everybody's being very civilized, but there are people everywhere.
0: We're talking with Carl Toulouse, London's own Raptors statistician from the very beginning, soaking in all of the fun of today's parade and today's celebration for the 2019 NBA champs. Carl, in terms of of fans, you mentioned they're being civilized. Do you hear any chance of Let's Go Raptors breaking out or anything like that, or is everybody just waiting for the players?
2: Uh, Oh, no. No, there's no waiting. There's flags waving. There are cars and delivery trucks going through, just uh, hawking their horns like crazy. The crowd is uh, being uh, provoked by that and just uh, cheering and laughing. And every so often you hear We the North, every so often you hear Let's Go Raptors. There are a couple of people that are uh, taking entertainment to a whole new level by wearing one-piece Raptor suits running down University Avenue with flags getting the
0: uh, crowd uh, pretty riled up. So Raptors onesies, this may be the only day ever where it's okay to wear a Raptors onesie in public. Uh, It's really sad to say that I can't unsee that. I don't want to see it ever again. Carl Toulouse joining us. Uh, Carl, the organization itself, uh, give us a a sense of of what's been going on with people that that you work with, that you've talked with, uh, all the the texting, the communication. What's that been like?
2: Uh, Again, uh, it hasn't totally sunk in for me yet because I was in BC last week uh, when game six occurred and was won. Um, But all of my friends and colleagues from the team. Uh, The texts have been so positive and very colorful. Uh, The Facebook messages, the photos that people have been taking. I I am really excited about seeing the trophy. I am so excited about seeing the Larry O'Brien trophy.
0: Well, it is in Toronto to stay right now. NBA champions of 2019, and the celebrations continue. Carl, enjoy today. Can we we check in maybe toward the end of the parade and all of that sort of stuff? Absolutely. Okay, we'll give you a call back in just a little bit. Okay, take care. Thanks, Carl. Bye. Carl- Carl Toulouse in the bedlam right now as they continue to watch all of the double-decker buses make their way toward Nathan Phillips Square. They're getting closer, but they're not quite there yet, and there will be speeches at some point. What is it like to be in the middle of that? Well, you just heard from Carl what it is like. We're going to get a different perspective on parades in just a minute. The biggest parade that London has seen came from the first time the London Knights won the Memorial Cup back in 2005. That's where we saw our own streets lined with people. And the Knights have won the Memorial Cup since, and they've won championships since. And we've had Santa Claus parades, but that... That was the biggest. So in a moment, we'll kind of relive that parade and what it was like for one of the players. We'll talk with former Knights captain Danny Savret and then just get a sense of of what it's like to be a member of a championship team at the end of a year and kind of how this goes. How long do these celebrations go on for? What makes them actually end? Danny Savret joins us next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. In about 20 minutes from now, we're going to head back into Toronto. We are also going to talk with Kathy Berghardt jessen in about a half hour from now. And we're going to find out why they're so excited in Lucan. There's celebrations going on all over the place. It's a crazy day. Crazy day. So right now, let's take this opportunity as Toronto celebrates the Raptors and kind of relive some moments from the biggest parade we've ever had in London, Ontario, which takes us back to 2005 and the first time the London Knights won the Memorial Cup. Joining us is Knights captain from 2005, Danny Safret. Danny, sunny day, it was very warm. What do you remember from that day?
4: Signing a lot of autographs. Um, I, I don't think I don't think there was barriers like you see in the NHL or, or NBA parades. It was just sort of us going down the street, and it was just littered with people. And uh, I remember in the back of our, our pickup truck, we had Dan Girardi, Mark Massot, myself, and Brian Rodney. And uh, any one night memorabilia, piece, jersey, hat, everything was tossed up, and we were just signing and, and handing it back. So I don't really remember, uh, you know, standing and taking all in for uh, for all that matter.
0: Now, in those days, did you just kind of walk around with three sharpies in your pocket? Did everybody make sure that you? Because you guys must have signed more autographs that summer than anybody's ever signed in this city.
4: Yeah, we uh, we were always pretty good with with, with autographs. I, I I do know that after every game, um, we would always walk up the the ramp there by the the night's dressing room to. Uh, to meet our families and on the way up there'd always be probably anywhere between twenty and forty people there sometimes the same person uh, over and over again but we would always make sure we we gave uh, all our fans the time of day to 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 say hello and, and sign an autograph for them
0: you've signed jerseys you've signed hats t-shirts have you ever had to sign anything that's not memorabilia
4: um i th- Sometimes you have to you know, like. Can you sign my arm? You sort of question it. You're like, this is a sharpie. Like, I don't know if I should be doing this. But <laughs> so you usually sign it. But I have had a few. Can you sign my arm? I don't like. It's probably going to wash off. I can't see anyone getting a tattoo of my signature. So, but anyways, I'll do it. Whatever is asked.
0: Who knows? There could be a day when someone walks up to you and says, "See, see, it's it's still there. I I tattooed <laughs> like, over it."
4: Quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> but the talking about parades. um I think uh as far as like a team goes a lot of there 's a huge build up from the time any team comes into training camp to the the end of the season and and for us, we had a big build up we had a uh, we had our streak to start the year, so we had targets on our heads from pretty much day one and then come playoff time it 's like we were expected to win, so we won the o h l and then we ran into uh, Ramouski, which they had their own streak at the end of the year, and obviously probably have. Arguably, one of the still best players in the in the world in in Crosby. So, um, uh, when we did end up winning, uh, the, the sort of relief. Obviously, we the parades are pretty quick from the time that the championship is handed over to us. So, some of us have been partying a little bit more um, than others. But I, I think that's why where you see in the in the parade, some guys sort of let loose a little bit more. Uh, I know in Washington, a couple of years ago, T.J. Oshie was like that. Ovechkin was like that. I think this year with St. Louis, uh, Bennington's a little bit like that. It's just because you are focused for for so long, uh, and then it's finally like you you can sort of do anything you want without any worries. Like no one's going to slap your hand or anything. It's like I've accomplished what I was set out to do, and then uh, that's why you can see some guys sort of let loose a little bit more than others.
0: Nights, captain, Danny Suvrat captain of the 2005 Memorial Cup championship team. As we talk about being in the parade and some of the other stuff that goes on around winning a championship, being through that experience for your life, being under that microscope, do you look at that as being helpful in life? I think so.
4: For, for me, I mean, um, you're just, there's nowhere else you'll get that type of immense pressure uh, than than in sport um, and and the build up and the, and you have that you know as much as the game is sixty minutes long well i 'm going to be on the ice for anywhere from twenty to thirty minutes, so you know you you segregate it down into different portions where it 's like at each time i 'm on the ice for forty five seconds so in that forty five seconds, I need to perform my tasks and everything to the the highest capability as possible, and it's hard to recreate that that type of um, pressure and uh, sense of like drive and determination that you, you have in that short period of time to get to a, build up to an ultimate goal of, of winning a championship. And that's why you always hear the cliche thing, like live today, walk forever together as far as champions, because you do, whether it be a junior B championship, OHL championship, Stanley cup championship, like you will always have a, a good connection with the group of guys uh, and, and females that you that we you were in the dressing room uh with and, and, and on a team
0: with even now 14 years later i mean do you still find that you keep in touch with most of the the people involved with that team
4: yeah like like i was just talking ironically enough talking to mark Mathot the other day about um obviously we both have families of our own now and he just sort of reiterated how how cool it was to be back as if we were back in 2005 and just you know you're young 19, 18 19 year old kids and the 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 city really takes you in here in, in london and uh you know just that feeling of of you're not an adult you're you're still living with a family and they're making you dinners and stuff like that like you're you're still a, a insensitive a, a child but you're a very mature uh, young adolescent i guess
0: Finally, how long does the celebration go into the summer when you win in hockey or win in basketball? Is there a date when things just kind of, you know, disappear and everybody starts to go different ways? Uh,
4: yeah, like some usually your your liver takes a, the biggest hit for, for uh, a little while. So usually it's, uh, I would say, anywhere between like five and seven days. Uh, and then you you start to feel like, okay, I need to maybe – slow down a little bit like it's it the mornings are starting to hurt more and more but uh no there's but there's still times that we you know anytime you, you win anything it's uh there's still times where you're sitting around a bonfire with a, a couple other guys and telling stories about do you remember this do you remember that like there's there's a lot of uh memories and friendships uh that are that run deep
0: when you win a, a championship danny thanks for reliving some of those today thanks mike Danny Savrette, Knights captain in 2005 when we had the biggest parade we've ever had in London, Ontario. So as he says, he remembers looking down a lot, signing an awful lot of autographs because people were able to kind of walk up to the side of the pickup trucks and the guys didn't mind. It was a great. Great day. Beautiful day. You could not have asked for a more picture-perfect day. Kind of like what it is in Toronto, because it's not overly hot today, it's definitely not raining, so they have exactly what they need. We are going to be talking about some very good news in Lucan, and it will not sound like the biggest story, but this is a story we've kind of been following, and it has reached a point where they're doing some celebrating in Lucan. We are also going to head back to the pandemonium, the bedlam, whatever you want to call it, in Toronto, and check in with Global News reporter Brianna Carnegie. We'll do that in about 10 minutes, see how things are going, see if the Raptors have made it to the stage yet. News is on the way next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.
1: Good afternoon. It is one thirty. I'm Jacqueline Labelle in downtown London. Mix of sun and cloud, and 21 degrees, 24 with the humidity. One of the hundreds of thousands of people celebrating the Toronto Raptors NBA championship win is waving a sign reading "Kawhi for Prime Minister," referring to star forward Kawhi Leonard. He was named the 2019 Finals MVP last week and is a player option on his contract for next year, but he's expected to decline it and become a free agent. Point guard Kyle Lowry was holding the Larry O'Brien trophy as the parade started winding through the city this morning. Meantime, Toronto Raptor Drake is riding alongside the Raptors in the team's victory parade. Drake has been a fixture at every home game sitting courtside as the team's global ambassador. He watched the final game against the Golden State Warriors last Thursday at Jurassic Park with thousands of boisterous fans. The rapper was with the team this weekend as they celebrated their historic win in Las Vegas. London police are investigating after a man showed up at the hospital with an apparent gunshot wound. Few details are known, but police say the man appears to have been wounded following an incident at a motel on Wellington Road South near White Oaks. The man arrived at the hospital just before 7.30 this morning. Officers attended a hotel in the South End where they say evidence of a shooting has been found. Police say the man's gunshot wound was non-life-threatening and the investigation is in its early stages. Schools in richer areas of Ontario fundraise twice as much as schools in poorer areas creating a gap in education that could be limiting opportunities from some, some, for some students, according to a report from an education advocacy group released today. The People for Education report, based on survey results from over 1,200 schools, suggests they depend on fundraising by parents and communities to increase budgets and to provide enhanced or optional programming, such as field trips and classroom materials. The $50 million national strategy on dementia rolled out by the federal health minister this morning puts an emphasis on prevention. It also offers more support for caregivers. More than 419,000 seniors have been diagnosed with some form of dementia, two-thirds of them women. As our population ages, the number of Canadians affected by dementia is expected to increase. You're listening to 980 CFPL.
0: Back to the bedlam in Toronto in just a few minutes. Hundreds of thousands of people are there. Could you imagine getting out? I don't know how long the speeches are going to last, but anybody who didn't get the day off today in Toronto usually starts coming out of those great big downtown office buildings about 4.30. So they've got about three hours to get that cleared away. Wow. People are not going to get home tonight until very, Very late. It is amazing, though. It is a -a once-in-a-lifetime, perhaps, thing. We'll see what happens with the Toronto Raptors. You know, one of the things that makes sports interesting is kind of that window on what it takes to succeed. You always get those examples. And you know one that isn't being talked about enough when it comes to the Toronto Raptors? I mean, you can look at skill and hard work and luck and all of those things that are mentioned. This team... Was all about selflessness. And you want to look at one of those things that really matters. You've got to have belief in yourself that you can do something. You have to have the skill. You have to have the hard work. You have to have the luck, sure. But that humility, that selflessness, one of the best examples, Mark Gasol is a guy who was acquired by the Toronto Raptors from the Memphis Grizzlies. And when he showed up, and this is a guy who's a very savvy veteran has basically been a starting center wherever he's gone. He shows up in Toronto, and he's the backup. So he has to kind of take a back seat. And Serge Ibaka is starting for the Toronto Raptors. And a lot of people in those situations who did not have humility would have pouted, been upset, maybe complained. You know, you would have felt that energy in the locker room. Gasol didn't. He said, okay, that's fine. And as the year went along, and credit Nick Nurse, the head coach of the Toronto Raptors, he found ways to use everybody. But Marc Gasol wound up being used in such a way that at times he did start. In the finals, he did start and did take the place of Serge Ibaka, which would have allowed Serge Ibaka to pout or complain or be upset at his role, but he wasn't. And that little relationship that didn't go sour between Gasol and... And Ibaka and the coaching staff and everything that they were trying to do. That's one of the things you have to have. It's so easy for things to go south because somebody, and this works in companies and workplaces, if somebody is not pulling the oars in the same direction, the boat doesn't go right. And credit Marcus Serge Ibaka for how they acted. Because it was a really important part of the victory. And that selflessness... That's one of those traits that I hope really stays on the surface when people remember back to the Toronto Raptors and say, what made them so good? Yeah, it was hard work. Yeah, it was skill. Very skilled team. Yeah, it was a little bit of luck every once in a while. Balls bouncing on rims and dropping through hoops. In game sevens on final shots. Yeah, yeah, okay, there was that. But this team team was not about each individual. This team was about the greater good. And that's what made them work. We'll head back into the Bedlam next This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Okay, who's ready to go back into the bedlam? It is safe here. Stay safe. If you are sitting down right now, just just hang on to something. Brace yourself, okay? Make sure the volume on whatever you're listening to us on, whether it's your phone, whether it's an actual radio, make sure that's set at a, at a, a decent level, because here we go. We are going back... To Toronto, where we find Global News reporter Brianna Carnegie. Brianna, how are things? You know what? Where I am, they're still pretty crazy, but they have quieted
5: down a lot because the parade has passed me by now. I'm actually in one of the viewing areas. It's at Coronation Park, and for anyone that's been around Toronto, it's near the X grounds. So that is where the parade started. That was very delayed this morning. It happened closer to 10.40. It was scheduled to start at 10.00. Uh, and that's when we saw those double-decker buses come through on Lakeshore. Here, the entire roadway was closed down. Fans were packed to the brim. They were just so excited to get a view of all of our Raptors players on those double-decker buses. And then the parade—they just followed it down Lakeshore.
0: And that's that's kind of something that we weren't sure what would happen once the parade goes by. Do do people go home, or are you finding, like you say, they're all they're all walking after it?
5: Oh, no, no. People are off work today. They're out of school. They're here to watch it through through its entirety, really. Uh, And that's why at Coronation Park with this viewing party, we're seeing a lot of families. And thankfully, this is an area, it's a bigger field where they can actually relax a little bit. They're not in Nathan Phillips Square where they're actually having overcrowding issues. So this is a good alternative for a viewing party. Again, Young Dundas Square 2, that's also open for people. Uh, but Nathan Phillips Square, police are just telling people, the City of Toronto warning them, do not come to this area. We have, we're fully at capacity. That happened at noon. So you can only imagine how many people have packed that area since.
0: Global News Radio reporter, Brianna Carnegie, joining us from Toronto. Brianna, when you talk with people, what are they saying?
5: They're just saying how excited they are to see the Raptors back home, and they're carrying that trophy loud and proud. They're holding it high above their heads. And uh, everyone that was passing by the parade, I I interviewed a couple after, just saying, what is your favorite part? And it was a unanimous decision from every single person that I talked to that it was Kawhi Leonard holding his trophy when he went by on the parade it was just chance of mvp mvp it was an incredible sight to see
0: you've been to concerts you've been to other big events (laughs) when you look at the reaction of people does it compare to seeing their favorite artists in concert what, what would it be like in that way
5: it is like compared to a concert this is nothing like that if you want to take a concert Maybe triple it, quadruple it. That's what the crowd was like this morning for the parade. It was, uh, MLC has told us that they're estimating about 2 million people turned out to this event. But even just listening to the broadcast, from what I've seen, from what I've heard from other people, I think it's well above the 2 million. To put that in context, the population of Toronto is 2.93 million. So that is what's packing the downtown core today.
0: So what is next in all of this, Brianna?
5: Yes, well, the parade is actually quite delayed. So my understanding, just watching it from the viewing party here, is that they're making their way up University uh, right now. And University is really, really a wide street. So you can imagine it was completely packed side to side, the entire street. Uh, And that's why they were having trouble getting the parade through. They had to get the crowd to back up to go through that area, and they're slowly, slowly making their way. They were supposed to be at Nathan Phillips Square by 12.30, so it's a little bit slower than we were expecting.
0: (laughs) Well, be safe. I'm glad to know that you're in a spot with a bunch of families and a viewing party, and if anybody's trying to get into downtown Toronto, not recommended right now, it's it's a little full. Brianna, thanks for doing this. (laughs) Thank you. Take care. That is Global News Radio reporter Brianna Carnegie. They've watched the parade go by. Kawhi is still getting the MVP chance. Of course, this is going to turn in a hurry. Be ready for this. Today's the day of celebration. And then it's going to turn. And it's going to be, okay, what becomes of this team next? Is Kawhi Leonard staying? Is he staying? Is he going to LA? Is he staying? Is he staying? And that's what we'll focus on very, very quickly. All of this has been fun. But then it's going to be, okay, What happens next? The NBA's already started to do that. There was a big trade over the weekend. The NBA draft is on Thursday. By the way, the NHL draft starts on Friday. So the sports world is not exactly going to slow down anytime soon. Neither are we. We're heading to Lucan, where people are going to be forced to slow down. And that is very exciting. Wait a minute. Slowing down is not exciting. Oh, yes, it is in Lucan, Ontario. We head there next on London Live and Global News Radio, 980 CFBL. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it probably was. Not all the way back a decade. But Luke and Biddle Township wanted to put up a stoplight. And they had good reason and good statistics supporting it. And yet, it didn't seem as though it was going to be all that easy. Because it was going to be very, very costly. And this is a story that we started to tell. Well, that story has hit a very, very new place. Joining us right now is the mayor of Lucan Bidolf Township. We are talking with Kathy Berghard jessen Mayor Berghard jessen thanks so much for being here. Well,
6: thank you for having me on, Mike. I know I'm competing with the big parade, but, uh, you know, it's just as exciting and looking today.
0: Well, that's what we've been talking about. The Raptors <laughs> seem to have touched off all of these very positive things. It's it's strange, but it's happening. So let's revisit what the issue was. Describe the stoplight and the the fences and, and hurdles in <laughs> front of you.
6: Oh, hurdles. There's so, there were so many hurdles. There were so many hurdles. Um, Mike, the corner that we're talking about is the, the, really the main intersection as you, as you come into uh, the village of Lucan, and it's Saintsbury and Main, and Main Street is a provincial highway. And uh, there is a lot of traffic that uh, travels through that, not only you know, during the summer or on weekends as people travel that uh, provincial highway 4 to get up to their cottages or farther north on Lake Huron, but during the week there's a lot of business traffic, people traveling to the city of London for work, uh there's truck travel. Um, and it is a funny corner in that the sight lines are not the best. And you know, you mentioned that uh it it hasn't been a decade, but it almost has. I've been on council for nine years and it has been a priority of mine, and I've had discussions with the province for nine years because uh, about getting the light there. Uh, the corner, there's three levels of government there's the province, there's the county of Middlesex, and then there's us at the municipal level. And we all have interests in the corner. And because it's a provincial highway, the province is the authority, and um, they did not see it as a priority a number of years ago. And they required certain traffic numbers, and then when we got to the traffic numbers, you know, you're competing against other infrastructure projects across the province and this one wasn't all that important. But we've crossed those, we've jumped those hurdles, we've cr- we're just about to cross the finish line when those lights go on in 2020. Uh, it will all have been worth all the lobbying and the pleading from not only myself, but my fellow counselors, uh, but certainly the citizens of Lucan.
0: We are talking with the mayor of Lucan Bidolf Township, Kathy berghard jessen Mayor berghard jessen one of the things was who was going to pay for this? And I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people in Toronto. Uh, we were looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars that it would cost to do this. So how did that iron itself out?
6: Well, you know, that was a stumbling block because a few years ago, we had offered to the province um, as a partnership between the county and the township that we would pay the cost of the lights, and we wouldn't ask the town, the province for any money. Um, we just wanted the check to say, go ahead and do that. And for us to do that, um, you know, it would have been probably about a six hundred dollars to $700,000 job at the very most. Um, but when you bring the province into it, it's a different beast, because they do have different parameters that they have to follow. And once the province is involved, the cost of this uh, intersection is going to be a million dollars, and we didn't have that. And so that's been a real stumbling block um, as to who's going to pay for that. And I'm pleased to say that the province is paying for the majority of it. Uh, it'll be over $600,000 that the province is Putting into the project, the county um, next is the next uh, one that is providing uh, money and um, and they've also in, um, provided in kind uh, items towards the project and that is the actual engineering of the um, intersection and so that'll total about three hundred thousand dollars between three and four hundred thousand dollars and then we as a township. Uh, are on for the balance which is about a hundred anywhere between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars depending
0: on how it all shakes out at the end. And how does all of that sit with the township?
6: Well, you know, I I think everybody's just happy to get it done. Um, You know, we could spend the day talking about uh, the cost and saying if we were to do it ourselves, it it would come in um, likely less expensive, but today is not the day for that. If the province wants to take ownership of it and the province wants to run with it, then, you know... They can defend the dollars that are going to be spent on it. We are just happy that now that that it's been passed, the contract's been signed, um, and that you know our citizens something that they have been asking for years for years is finally going to happen and you know in the end, um, you know for us, a price tag for our rate payers of $100,000 to $200,000 is very reasonable. Um, so we're, we're thrilled that that's happening, and um, at the end of it, we can all say that we work together to get it done.
0: We're talking with the mayor of Lucan Biddle Township, Kathy Berghard jessen and we're talking about the the challenges that you undergo in order to get a job done sometimes, but ultimately it's happening. So what is this going to do for this intersection?
6: You know, it's going to, I mean, it's going to make it a completely different intersection and, you know, you've got your traffic lights, there's going to be proper pedestrian um, signals for uh, pedestrians to use and, you know... The way that Lucan has expanded um, there's much more pedestrian traffic, and you 're crossing from one end of this of the town to the other and you know there's parks all over the place, so pedestrians have always complained about that corner because um, there's two variety stores on the corner, and there's a Tim hortons and there's lots of people that walk to those destinations so from from a pedestrian standpoint from Maneuvering from the new subdivisions and trying to get onto Main Street from Saintsbury to get to work will make things much easier. Uh, so time will be impacted, uh, safety, coming out onto Main Street from some of our our uh, side streets will be easier. And the other thing that I'm very excited about is because at the one end of Saintsbury we have an industrial park. And we have had a number of interested people or businesses over the years that have looked at investing in Lucan uh, in that industrial park. And because of the way that traffic moves, they've stopped and they haven't come to Lucan. So I believe that this will open up a whole new uh, world of economic development. And uh, that is very exciting for us.
0: So when will the finishing touches be put on all of this? Is there a timeline yet?
6: So, it looks like the project will start in the spring of 2020. Uh, so, it will start, it, it will, you know, end then at, at some point after that. I'm not exactly sure how long the project will take. It'll be a fairly significant project because there will be some sidewalks and, you know, the what's there now obviously has to be re- redesigned because there will be some widening involved. Um, so, it, it will be a significant project. And, um, you know, right now we've got some road work already going on in Highway 4 so we've had to go we've had to experience that and then next year but in the end uh, it will be worth it and these are the things as a growing community that you know you have to it comes with it um, infrastructure improvements come with a growing um, community and if we have to put up with a little inconvenience of stopped traffic and construction then so be it.
0: Well said. Well, hey, like you say, it's been worth the lobbying. It's taken a lot of things, but well, <laughs> you made it happen, and uh, that's a sign for the rest of us, for sure.
6: Well, you know, I, as I said, you know, hard work, it really does pay off, and uh, if you had told me years ago that a little traffic light would take this long, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, come on, how difficult can it be? <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm just happy that today's here and that we've had the, the partners have come to the table to make it work.
0: Mayor Berghard, Jessen, thank you so much for the time. Time. Great. Thank you, Mike. See, Raptors have touched off all of these celebrations. They finally, and this might sound like not much, a stoplight, but this this is something that was, you know, pushed off. Well, you guys are going to have to pay for this, and we're not doing this, and you're not going to get it, and... Things were not safe in that spot, and as Mayor Berghard Jessen pointed out, it's as simple as investing. You know, it's as simple as, as growing. Everything's got to start somewhere, and the bigger you can be, the better you can be. Uh, that's what we're all after. So, well done. They got it done. We'll take a break. News is on the way next. And then, speaking of getting it done, running 100 kilometers in a day, Teresa Carrier managed to do that on Friday completed 100 kilometers in a single day for the fifth time in her life and i believe we'll have to ask her i believe she did it faster than ever before that's one of the things we'll talk about in hour two of london live this is global news radio 980 CFPL. just got an email from troy and it's a really valid question If you have seen any of the pictures, and right now, go to globalnews.ca and you can see pictures and a little bit of video of some of the things going on in Toronto. It's full. Downtown is full. Police are saying, don't come. There's no space. They're having overcrowding issues. Here's Troy's question. I don't have a good answer for this. Where do all of these people go to the bathroom? Last time I was in Toronto, there weren't enough downtown public toilets as it was, let alone for 2 million people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for that. I really don't. I don't know if I want to know the answer to that, Troy, but thank you for the email. You can email anytime, mike at 980cfl.ca. You can tweet at stubs 980 This has been a day when we're just talking about good things. The Toronto Raptors have kind of touched off some things from a stoplight to later on, we're going to look at research actually in about 10 minutes from now about dementia and how a new grant coming to a London researcher and his colleagues will allow them to continue what they're doing. And hopefully as we all age, we can maybe look toward a day when neurodegeneration is a thing that we deal with, not a thing that we identify. And we are also going to talk about the London for All program. I don't know if you know about that. That comes up in a little over a half hour from now. So all of that straight ahead on London Live. But as we're talking about great things, let's talk with a great person who did a phenomenal thing on Friday. Teresa Carrier ran one run, which... Saw her go 100 kilometers and finish up at St. Andre Bissette in, I believe, this was personal best time. When you set out to do 100K, I don't think you're too worried about your PB. Uh, That's not something that I think you're, you're thinking about as you go along. But Teresa was incredible on Friday and helped to raise money. For those affected by cancer. And believe it or not, even after running 100 kilometers on Friday, Teresa is not napping right now and joins us on London Live. Teresa, congratulations.
7: Thank you, Mike. We're all really excited about what went down on Friday.
0: How are you feeling?
7: I feel great. Uh, Saturday certainly was a little shaky, but I feel really good today. I think we're we're all flying on a, a one-run cloud nine right now.
0: Okay, well, good, good. When you're recovering from running 100 kilometers in a day, can you describe what Saturday is like? I mean, do you bother standing up or even trying to stand up?
7: Well, Friday night is always uh, interesting. Uh, the, the muscles are still firing quite a bit. So Friday night, as tired as we all are, um, I just I don't find that I sleep much. So Saturday's pretty quiet. I have, as you know, a, a great family that takes care of me, and uh, I had lots of siblings around, and I took it pretty easy on Saturday morning.
0: We were lucky enough to join you for one of the kilometers on the run, and you know what? As the day was going along, I was following on Twitter at one underscore run, and I was looking, and wow, you know, Teresa's already at 45K, oh, whoa, already at 65, wow, uh, the speed at which you did this—can you explain how you pulled that off? Because you—you uh, you did this really, really fast.
7: Well, I wish I could take the credit for it, but I—I I don't think it was—it was on me. It was the support we had all—all all route long, every kilometer. We had so much energy from runners of hope hope as as you mentioned mike you were one of them every kilometer i was met with another runner who was there to support us and to run for somebody that they they love that was uh dealing with cancer i think the energy along the route really helps the schools that we passed offered some energy and excitement so that motivation alone just just keeps you going
0: the Toronto Raptors are experiencing those cheering yes. sections <laughs> right now on their parade. But just how uplifting is that? Do you get a surge of adrenaline when you, when you see people cheering?
7: You know, it's it's just so emotional, and any of any of my team that was there uh, en route or in the RV can explain it as well as as I can. It's it's just it's something that's just so moving, and to see a whole community come together and just support one another is is just so energizing. I think we're all all pretty
0: pumped. We're talking with Teresa Carrier from One Run, as Teresa completed 100 kilometers in a single day in less than 12 hours on Friday. And of course, One Run is helping those affected by cancer. Teresa, in terms of the run itself, can you take us through how you even project through that? Do you say okay? Because sometimes you know anyone who's run a a running race of even say 5K will will tell themselves, "I can't go out too fast. I got to I got to make sure that I can't go out too fast." Is there any similarity to running 100K?
7: You know what, you're absolutely right, Mike. I, I think in years past, uh, I was very excited to get started, so I often ran too fast, and I really struggled towards the end. But my trainer, Brad, said that, you know what, you've got you to pace yourself, you've got to uh, calm yourself down as quickly as possible so that you can get to the end. And thankfully, uh, I listened to his words, and I made it to the end.
0: What is the toughest part about doing that kind of a run?
7: Um, well, I would say about kilometer eighty is the toughest part. It's 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 a long day, and because it is so emotional, not only physically are you fatigued, but emotionally you're pretty fatigued, fatigued as well. So it's just remaining focused, and that's what the RV crew is for. I had a couple of my sisters in there. I had a couple of teammates, and of course uh, Brad and my husband Bill. And uh, every time I had to slip in there to to freshen up, they uh, reminded me of uh, the. The value of staying focused and uh, calming down and, and
0: uh, keep going. Incredible. Teresa Carrier joining us. Teresa completing 100 kilometers as part of one run, which is now something that high schools in the area have taken over, all again, raising money for those who are affected by cancer, either going through the fight or someone who has gone through the fight or families that have dealt with cancer. Now, you had said that in going into this you wanted to do this again because it's been a couple of years since you've done the 100k yourself you wanted to do this because there were a lot of students who didn't know what it was like to see you do this and can you explain what it was yeah. like going going through that for that reason
7: at the at the finish line a lot of the as you mentioned Mike a lot of the students who had never seen a one run before were just they had no idea how much they were moved uh, as well following the route and realizing and that was our intent was to to have the youth recognize that our community comes together when people need them and it was really important for us to send that message with one run that regardless of what challenge you might be faced with that there's there are people here um that will help you out so it's just extending a hand and and saying i need some help and And people will will, uh, step up and very generous, very compassionate. We're very fortunate to live in the community that we do. So we're very pleased that the message, certainly, that we were hoping to send uh, was received.
0: That community has now partnered with One Run to raise over a million dollars. When you hear that number, did you ever think that was possible? Oh, gosh,
7: no. I remember my goal in 2010 when I talked to the team was, you know, I'd like to raise about $10,000. I thought that was a huge amount of money. And uh, to see how far we've come, is just, it just speaks volumes for, again, the generosity of the people who support us.
0: But you're back to feeling great, I feel all right.
7: I do have to mention, though, Mike, uh, one of my biggest concerns was the safety of the runners on the road. And our police officers, uh, Joe Pavoni, pulled together a team from the, the uh, uh, London Police, OPP, and the Strathroy Police. And they kept us so safe. And I have to uh, certainly thank all those drivers out there that were patient and who understood how important it was that we were on the road. So uh, I have to give a lot of kudos to the police officers who kept kept everyone safe.
0: Well, just here's a a little inside story for you, because after runners finish running with Teresa, they can turn back around and go to where they've parked. And as you're walking back along, you have some people asking what's going on, but you have other people saying, oh, is that is that Teresa? Is that one run that's taking place? So it's it's pretty amazing to see that. And, and they no one had a scowl on their face once they found out exactly what was going on. That's good to hear. All right. Well, Teresa... Thank you for what you have done. It is remarkable to think that you have now run 500 kilometers in five days in in your life. Five separate days, and you have amassed 500 kilometers. Do you wear a fitness tracker? Because James actually emailed earlier, and he said there's an Olympic sandal that you can get. I don't know what it takes to get that Olympic sandal, but do you wear a fitness tracker when you run? I I don't. Not at all. Just one foot in front of the other, that's all I focus on. Okay, I think it would blow up the fitness tracker to actually do what what you did in a day. So maybe maybe that's best too. I think so. Teresa, have a great day. Thanks so much, Mike. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That's Teresa Carrier from One Run. Could you imagine seeing the stats on that? I think you would just pick up whatever little badges and what, all the little things that you can get in a day. Yeah, you'd whip those off. No problem. Uh, we're going to take a break. Up next, we are going to look at neurodegeneration. Now, that's a word that you don't always hear. We hear things like dementia. We hear things like... Alzheimer's. Neurodegeneration. To tell you the truth, we all have neurodegeneration. You can't really avoid it because, I don't know, I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor. I've seen the words, but amylase and things like that will build up in your brain. And that, of course makes things not work as quick the synapses are not firing as we get older as quickly as they used to be so we all experience some bit of that but it comes down to identifying things like dementia Alzheimer's and we know that research is being done by the day we know that some of that research is being done in London Ontario but up next again the Raptors have sparked all of these good news stories guess what We found out today that researchers in London have been awarded more than a million dollars to continue their particular research. Well, one of those researchers is going to join us and we're going to correlate the, the testing of or the testing for, I guess, neurodegeneration and a test that doesn't involve you sitting, say, in front of a computer and answering questions or being able to do something on a piece of paper. This actually looks at how you move and is able to identify possible neurodegeneration, possible signs of dementia. By the way you move, the good news is that research is going into its next phase based on some grant money that was awarded just today. We'll have the story when we return on London Live. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We know that a lot of research goes along in London, Ontario. We're a great research city. But we don't always get the -the behind-the-scenes stuff on that. Can you imagine being a researcher? You have to apply for, say, grant money to get your idea going. So you say, I want to do this. But we have to get money to fund it or it's not going to happen. And sometimes it's not just a one-part thing. It's not just, okay, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to see if when I hold my pen up in the air and drop it, if it hits the table. That would be a one-part thing. Sometimes it's more than one part. And with that, you then have to rely on getting more research dollars. Well, it was announced today that researchers in London have been awarded $1.345 million over a five-year period. And they will be able to continue part of Canada's National Dementia Strategy. We've got the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration and Aging. It's known as the CCNA. And it's a research program. And it's looking at dementia. It's looking at other neurodegenerative illnesses. And one of the leading researchers happens to be from the Lawson Health Research Institute. And as busy as he is... He's been nice enough to take some time out for us. Dr. Manuel Montero Odesso joins us right now. Dr. Montero Odesso, how are you?
8: Very well, thank you. We're thrilled that uh, today the Canadian Consortium of Dementia announced our new funding for our research here in Western.
0: Now, you've already completed phase one, and we'll get to what that has meant. This allows you to continue that research. How tense a time is it for researchers when you're unsure whether or not you're going to get the necessary funds to continue what you're doing?
8: Well, that's a very nice question. And sometimes a little stressful, and and we work very hard. This is not only my achievement. We have an important team across Canada supporting our research, particularly co-investigators in Montreal, Alberta, Vancouver, and my team here in London. So we work for the last two, three years preparing this new submission to get the renewal under the scientific director of the Canadian Consortium, who is Dr. Howard Cherkov at bakerist.
0: It doesn't matter who we are, it seems we are touched by neurodegeneration in some way, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, whether it's even just concerns that it may one day be us. When you look at your research, you've become world-renowned on some of the things that you have studied, and one of the things that you've looked at is mobility and gait in individuals. What does mobility possibly have to do with neurodegeneration?
8: Well first as you said it seems new research is showing that if every one of us live long enough we may have some kind of neurodegeneration right because when we come older our brain accumulates some misfolded proteins like the beta amyloid is the most famous of that so if we live long enough if we reach the 120 130 years old every one of us will have some amyloid in our brain and the thing we discover my team and others around the world, for the last, I would say, 10 years, is our motor performance, particularly the way we walk, the stability, the symmetry, that we call the gait performance, is related to this accumulation of beta-amyloid and neurodegenerative changes in the brain. So we have detected that we can predict using a simple gait test who may have more neurodegeneration in the brain, and we perhaps that patient will be a higher risk to go to dementia. I have shown when you have these kind of subtle changes in your brain that may express with cognitive problems, they also express with mobility problems, the way we walk, and those patients have doubled the risk of falls and fractures that the counterparts with the same age, same education, but without those subtle neurodegeneration changes.
0: We're talking with Dr. Manuel montero Odasso. He is a world-renowned researcher. He and his team have just been awarded $1.345 million over five years, and that will allow them to continue their research. Uh, you, can, you can test things based on someone's mobility, based on someone's gait. So this is not a cognitive test. This is not sitting in front of a screen and making sure we still can put things here and there. This is, this is would it be walking? Would it, do you ask them to run? What do you ask them to do? Well, we have to
8: walk, and we have to wait to do this. One way is we have to walk the participant or the patient or the person in a mat, have some sensors, and we can detect subtle changes, subtle changes in the symmetry, and we call variability. But also, we ask to the person to walk while doing a stress test challenges. For example, counting backwards by one. Or by seven from 100, or naming animals. And if you try, for example, to walk and talk at the same time, particularly if you're walking in a busy street, you will see you will slow down, right? Because the attention that you're thinking and you're speaking is taking or your uh, mental activity may divert some resources to some area of the brain important for your activity, but take those resources from walking, so you will slow down. But the thing we demonstrated. If you slow down more than 30% of the baseline speed, that is a sign that you may have a higher risk to go to future cognitive impairment. And we call that the dual task cost, the cost in your walking of walking and talking or walking and doing a mental activity. And importantly, we're doing an intervention, too. We're, we're doing a, a clinical trial in where we provide physical training coupled with cognitive training to improve cognition and delay progression of cognitive
0: impairment. Well, Dr. Odasso, we can't thank you enough for your time. Congratulations on being able to continue research, and here's hoping that there are some amazing findings still yet to come. Have a great day. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. You are welcome. Dr. Manuel montero Odasso, a scientist at Lawson Health Research Institute. So in looking at how people move, as Dr. Oh, Dasso says you have the ability to to walk and you think, yeah, this is great. Walking takes a lot of thinking. You throw thinking and walking, it's like walking and chewing gum. How crazy is this? You know, you've heard that before. Oh, you know that person, they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. You know, that's kind of what they're doing here. You walk and count backwards from seven, and if you start to experience issues with that, well, maybe they need to look at some other things. And hopefully research like this, again, it's done through the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration and Aging, and it's part of Canada's National Dementia Strategy. We know we have an aging population. We know that neurodegeneration is a thing. As, as Dr. Montero Odasso pointed out, it's a thing for everybody, Time goes by, you get kind of these deposits in your brain. And certain brains, of course, will experience dementia, will experience Alzheimer's, other forms of dementia. But in the end, if you can identify what is happening, maybe you can identify why it's happening, maybe you can identify a way to slow it down, stop it, all of those things. So good luck in their research as they continue into phase two. We're going to news next. And like we said, the Raptors have touched off a lot of things still to come. What is London for all? What even is that? We're going to learn... And if we're lucky, we'll try and get back into the bedlam that is downtown Toronto. I don't know. They're not letting anybody into the downtown area right now, overcrowding issues. Maybe they're not even allowing phone calls. They've actually been an issue because so many people are on their phones and so many people are making use of those cell towers that reaching people in the downtown core in Toronto is really tough right now. So we'll give it a shot. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. I've got an issue on our lawn. Here's a first world problem for sure. Uh, We've got what I think is Creeping Charlie. Because I took a picture of it and posted it to Twitter. And everybody said, yeah, that's Creeping Charlie. You Might as well light your yard on fire. That was basically the solution I was given. Other than people who say, hey, mow it over. A weed? That's in the eye of the beholder. Okay, yeah. I'm in. You know, we we fertilize. We try and... Keep care of our lawn, but I'm not going to say we're weed-free. We're not. So what do you do with Creeping Charlie? Well, I happen to find somebody who's going to be on the show tomorrow. His name is Brian Doux, And he does uh, something else with weeds. Something that most of us don't do. He, He eats them. That's right. Dandelion roots. Coffee substitute really? Because I know a lot of people who are looking to get rid of their dandelions that'd be a cheap way to do it. What is that? A good burst of caffeine? We're going to learn how exactly dandelions can be a good coffee substitute and what other weeds it's safe to eat tomorrow on the show. Promise. Promise. Uh, if you are somebody who likes to try and take advantage of deals, then there's a story that you need to see out of Florida today. It's uh, it's one that's kind of that caveat emptor. You know that word? Whenever you talk with a lawyer, that's a big part of law school. Caveat emptor means buyer beware. So there's a guy named Kerrville, and he was at an auction over the weekend, and there was a villa That appeared to be up for auction. And it was valued at $177,000. And he and three other people bid on this. And he got it. For $9,100. Amazing. Now this was an online auction. And it seemed that there was a little bit of confusion with this online auction. Because this villa was actually a duplex. So you've got... One house on one side, one on the other, and they are attached. And running down the middle of both driveways was this little patch of grass. And what everybody bidding seemed to think they were bidding on... ...was the actual villa, the two residences. And you know, to get something valued at $177,000 for 9100 bucks, Well, that's amazing. Well, Kerrville found out shortly after the auction... What he had purchased was not the house or houses, the villa, in behind in the picture. It was the one-foot-wide, 100-foot-long strip of grass down the driveway, valued at 50 bucks. And now, although he's crying deception, he's finding out that he's got to pay property tax on that, that that was actually owned by the owner and I don't know whether they had severed it or I don't know what's going on here but yeah state law does not allow for a refund on this nobody wants to buy this from him he still had to pay the nine thousand one hundred dollars they're saying that the strip was never even attached to the properties he thought he was purchasing this was just a picture he saw online and essentially there's nothing that he can do Instead of the gift that keeps on giving, which would be buying a property like that for under ten grand, this is the gift that keeps on taking. His property tax, I believe, is only 100 bucks a year. Uh, but how would you like to say, hey, yeah, good, that tax bill's here. Here's another 100 bucks a year. Oh, and the county has let him know he's got to maintain that little strip. So he's got to drive over with a lawnmower because it's a strip of grass every week or so and mow that, or he faces other discipline for having things in disrepair. Caveat emptor, the gift that keeps on taking. Let's take a break. Next up, we're going to find out what London for all is all about. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. All day, that energy coming out of Toronto seems to be creating some Good news stuff, some positive stuff. We've chronicled quite a bit of it on London Live today. And there's a little bit more that actually stretches into tomorrow. And it deals with something that's been happening for a while now. And it deals with ending poverty in our community. It's not an easy task. Some would say, no, no, that's impossible. You can't end poverty. There are others who say, yeah, just watch us. Well, we have something called London for All, and London for All has been led by the United Way of Elgin and Middlesex, and it has brought together all kinds of individuals. It has brought together organizations. They've looked at recommendations aimed at ending poverty in London in a generation. This is not something that you're going to look at your watch and say, oh, okay, yeah, it's, uh, it's 2020. Have we ended poverty yet? This is looking at doing it over a generation. Joining us right now to talk about what tomorrow is going to be all about and some of the news that is attached to this is the executive director of the United Way of Elgin Middlesex, Kelly Ziegner. Kelly, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Kelly, if we're to describe, first off, London for all, let's kind of put some faces or, or a group face onto this.
9: Sure. So this work got started a few years ago in London uh, through the Mayor's Poverty Panel, where they brought together community leaders and then did really intensive um, community consultation to determine what are some strategies that our community needs to end poverty in a generation in the London region. So from that, they developed a report with 112 different recommendations, everything from transportation, food security, um, looking at income and employment. And then um, the city at the time said, you know, it's not enough that we have this really good report. We don't want to go back and get shelved somewhere. We really want this to now be taken over by the community and to live on. And so they contracted um, the work and the services of United Way Alga Middlesex to act as the lead agency and really convene all of those multiple partners across the community to come together to start working on those recommendations. So this afternoon, we just came from um, the Community and uh, Protective Services Committee at City Council, where we presented our year two update on our progress.
0: Okay. Well, for anybody who wasn't inside those walls, what can you tell us in terms of year two and progress?
9: Yeah, I mean, it's always a bit of a moving target, but we're um, right now, uh, as of uh, today, we have 52 of those recommendations complete with 60 in the hopper. So another 60 to go in a year uh, of our term being lead agency. And now we're, we sort of continue the work at looking at, okay, which one of these recommendations, do they still apply? Because as we know, we've had um, government landscape changes in, uh, over over three years. Um, are there new or different things that the city needs to look at addressing in future? So we start to begin doing all that work as we come to the end of our three-year term with
0: it. We're talking with Kelly Ziegner, Executive Director of the United Way, of Elgin and Middlesex, as we look at London for all. Now, in bringing everybody together, how much of the work in this was was that initial, hey, here's here's the uh, the branch we're extending it can you please help us
9: yeah i mean we have hundred and sixty different volunteers involved in this work so it's very extensive and we were really intentional about not just having the usual suspects at the table we wanted to reach a little deeper into the community ensure that we had lots of people with lived experience or living experience people who actually live in poverty are the ones that make are making helping us to make the best decisions going forward um, having access to great tools like um, research that's happening at Western or at the Kings um, at King's College, having those experts at the table. so really having a uh, broad depth of experience is really important. And of course um, sort of just the organizing and scheduling all of that is the probably the most challenging part it seems uh, these days but everybody's so very committed to, really making changes for our community.
0: We'd love to say, hey, there's going to be a a breakthrough moment where you can say, okay, here it comes. And you know what? Now we're on the way to ending poverty and we can prove it. It probably doesn't happen like that. But once you complete the 112 items on the initial list, what do you expect to be in place?
9: Yeah, so a, a few of the examples of some of the uh, recommendations that have already been completed was um, there was a rec- one of the recommendations was uh, free bus fare for um, children and youth. So as most people are recall, that was a decision that was made by city council to fund that um, over the past couple of years. And so we started to see some of those um, access to transportation barriers be removed for um, families in poverty. We've also had um, the development of some low-cost or no-cost dental clinics for individuals and families that don't have access to benefits and they're not able to get uh, appropriate dental care. So those are just a couple of the concrete examples of some of the recommendations that have been completed. Other ones are a little trickier because, as we are well aware, things like poverty, homelessness, require the... Um, buy-in and input from other levels of government. So part of the work that we do is lobbying Queen's Park or um, Ottawa for additional funding for things like uh, affordable housing, for increasing social assistance rates, and that, that work will, always, will I, I suspect, will be continually ongoing.
0: Kelly Ziegner, CEO of United Way of Elgin and Middlesex. Kelly, before we let you go, tomorrow at 545 at the London Central Library, what's happening there?
9: Yeah, we were thrilled to get word that um, we've received an Ontario Trillium grant. To look at evaluation of the London and for all model. So a couple of things that the city was really intentional about when they developed this lead agency model. One, as I've already mentioned, was including voices of people with lived and living experience in the decision making. So we've really sort of ticked that box um, and continue to, to, to hear those voices. The other piece is it's, you know, we want to make sure that this is the right way forward and that what we're doing in this model works. One, so that it will inform what the next three years look like. And two, um, so that we can, you know, reach out to our neighbors and other municipalities and say, hey, this is what we did in London. It really worked. This is an effective model having this lead agency. And so what this um, grant will enable us to do is some really um, effective evaluation of the work so far, so that, you know, we're we're not just sort of ticking boxes. We are able to say, yes, there's research that shows that what we're doing is working, it's moving the needle, and it's an effective way forward.
0: All right. Well, we'll look forward to that, and we'll keep monitoring as things continue. Kelly, thanks so much for the time today.
9: Great. Thanks, Mike.
0: Kelly Ziegner, CEO of the United Way of Elgin and Middlesex. So, as Kelly says, 50 of those 112 items that came out of the poverty panel going back a couple of years now have been completed and now they've got 62 remaining and it can be as as I guess simplistic as it sounds it can be as easy as providing free bus fare for people under a certain age or looking at ways so that individuals who do not have benefits can afford to go to the dentist things like that and so they continue to work on that the goal is to End poverty in a generation. And even that, even that is one of those things that you look at and you say, I I don't know, but why not? I mean, our world is going to change a lot in the next generation in terms of attitude, because it has to, and in terms of the way we go about things and how you're starting to look around and say, okay, how do we address this? The more people we have trying to address issues in society, uh, the better. And we seem to have more of that happening now. Again, you can argue and say, well, too many cooks spoils the spoils the roast or whatever that line is. Too many cooks in the kitchen. At the same time, the effort's being made. And the alternative is to do nothing. To just say, yeah, we're just going to keep going on the road we're going. Yeah, there's always going to be poor. There's always going to be poverty. There's always going to be – you could do that. That's not what's happening. So we'll get another update on that. They've just presented to the Community and Protective Services Committee and uh, another update on that tomorrow night if you want to head to the London Central Library at 545. And just in case you do, they are going to be in the Stevenson and Hunt meeting room. That's 545, and that's tomorrow. Next up on London Live, we'll wrap up as we began talking about downtown toronto and the raptors parade that is a little uh a little behind schedule to the point that there are some jays fans concerned about getting in to see the blue jays and the angels if you don't have tickets don't worry we will have the broadcast for you and that starts at seven o'clock this is london live on global news radio 980 cfpl okay there's a video being circulated on twitter right now And the caption is Plant Guy gives Kawhi Leonard his housewarming gift at last. If you don't know Plant Guy or don't remember Plant Guy, let's refresh your memory, courtesy of Global News reporter Mark Carcassol on the streets, going back to the Raptors' Game Six victory. He's actually in Toronto. Man, where'd you get that? It's a housewarming gift for Kawhi. Oh, I see. He's staying. Does he know this yet? We're I'm really wait, waiting for him. I'm waiting. Have you seen him? I haven't seen him yet. I think he's somewhere in Oakland right now, celebrating his butt off. Well, when you see him, tell him I got a housewarming gift. Tell him I love him. I will. What kind of plant is that? Tell him thank you for the shot. What kind of plant is that? It's a plant for kawaii. It's a kawaii plant. It's a kawaii plant. It's a, a Kauai Kauai cactus. cactus. Have a good night, man. Kowactus. <laughs> coactus. I like to collect it. I like it. It's a, plant guy says it's a coactus I think plant guy um, I think he's I think he's doing well. I think he's having a good night. Let's just put it that we way. new It's a new, it's a new species forest. of plant. We the forest! A, we the forest! Night. Have a good night. There you go. Plant guy, ladies and gentlemen. Plant Guy. And he became very, very famous to the point. Mark Carcassonne and Plant Guy were both on global news television this morning. And you had Plant Guy who was near what appeared to be the kind of plant that he would pulled out of the pot that it had been in. I don't know if you saw, but this was like one of those tropical ferns and it had the big bulb on it and everything. So he was dragging that around after the Raptors won game six and won the NBA championship. And so the video that's going around now is plant guy actually gives Kawhi his housewarming gift and you see Kawhi Leonard and the bus that he's on driving along the parade route. And all of a sudden someone is reaching up and you can't see whether or not it is actually plant guy who appears to be a really tall guy, really blonde guy. He was actually wearing a Spurs uniform today, Spurs Jersey, but you see someone hold their arm up and in their arm is this little tiny potted plant and they give it to Kawhi. If that doesn't make Kawhi Leonard want to stay with the Toronto Raptors, well, then nothing will. That will become the question. After all of this celebrating ends, will Kawhi Leonard stay? The Raptors have the opportunity to give him more money than everybody else. It's difficult to leave when you've won a championship. I mean, Kawhi Leonard will no doubt talk to a lot of people, but Klay Thompson... Plays for the Golden State Warriors, and he's been asked the same question. You know, are you going to stay in Golden State? Do you want to go and try and be your own guy in your own team? And his dad, Michael Thompson, who played in the NBA, has said, he's already in Valhalla. How do you get better? How do you get better than what you have? That's what Kawhi Leonard has to figure out. We'll follow that story and others. We have news starting in just a moment with Jacqueline LaBelle. Thanks so much to Matt McKinnis for his help. London Live brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 684 Warncliffe Road South. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.